take your copy of God's Word this morning, we're going to go for a few minutes to the Gospel of Luke, the second chapter, Luke chapter 2. One of the most famous preachers from church history was named Charles Spurgeon. Uh, they call him the Prince of Preachers, and I was interested to find something that Charles Spurgeon wrote. You know, we've been thinking about angels and the Christmas angels all throughout the month of December, and here's what Spurgeon said. I do not know how to explain it. I cannot tell how it is, but I believe angels have a great deal to do with the business of this world. And we're finding that to be the case, especially as we look at the Christmas angels. And it's interesting to see um, how they had a lot to do with the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've already studied some of those events. We know about Gabriel's announcement to Mary. We know about the angelic dreams that were given to Joseph and um, today we're going to continue seeing their involvement. But before we do, I thought it might be helpful and instructive to kind of talk about the angel's ministry to the Lord Jesus even during his stay here upon the earth. It's interesting when you go through the life of the Lord Jesus to notice, you know, in uh, Matthew chapter 4, um, you have the account where Jesus goes and he's tempted uh, by the devil. And when it's all over, it says in Matthew 4.11 that angels came and ministered to him. So after that trying temptation, the angels came and they ministered to him. Um, in the Garden of Gethsemane, you remember there in Luke chapter 22, uh, verse 43, you know, Jesus is struggling there in the garden. And it says in Luke 22:43 that an angel came to strengthen him. At Easter time, which we'll kind of blink a couple times as we get into the new year and it'll seem like it's already Easter, but... At Easter, remember, an angel rolled away the stone from the tomb where Jesus had been laid, according to Matthew 28, 1 and 2. And he didn't roll it away so Jesus could get out. He rolled it away so the disciples could go in. An angel was involved there. We know at Jesus' ascension back to heaven, you know, he spent some time upon the earth um, after rising again. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 11, we have the angels. They told that Jesus was coming again. In fact, Acts 1, 11 says, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. And of course, we're waiting that day when the Lord Jesus returns again. And we know from Matthew chapter 25, verse 31, that angels will accompany Jesus upon his return. In fact, Matthew 25, 31 says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. So we find that throughout the earthly sojourn of the Lord Jesus, angels were involved in his life and strengthening him and helping him. And of course we know that they were there at the beginning of the incarnation. I'll never forget this. Very important. Bethlehem, Christmas, is not the beginning of Jesus because Jesus is God, always has been God, always will be God. He's eternal. But Christmas is the beginning, if you will, of the God-man. That is God robing himself in flesh, becoming Emmanuel, God with us. And we know the angels were highly involved in that. And, and if you've been around church, if you've gone to Christmas um, services before, these are going to be familiar words to you from the Gospel of Luke, the second chapter. But they're words that never grow old, I don't believe. I remember hearing them even from a young boy, and then I read them, and they're just as fresh, it seems. Luke chapter 2. I want to read these 20 verses as we think about uh, these things today concerning um, the angels and the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. 
So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph, and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. You know, as I read this again, I thought, what a sight and what a juxtaposition this is. You have these mighty heavenly beings lighting up the sky and the glory of God. And then you have these rugged, these humble, dirty shepherds faithfully watching their flocks by night. You know, out of everyone the Lord could have announced the birth of the Lord Jesus to, um, He chose to make the announcement So who would have guessed it to a bunch of shepherds? It's very interesting, is it not, the way the whole coming of the Lord Jesus plays itself out? If God had given us the pen and told us to write the script as to how the Lord Jesus would enter into flesh and enter into humanity and become the Savior for us, I doubt we would have included a couple of poor teenagers, an animal trough, and some smelly sheep. I don't think that would have ever crossed our mind, that we would write the script that way. We've become sentimental about all this, and and maybe we've lost the stark reality of just what happened on that very first Christmas. I read a story this past week about a guy who set up a nativity scene on his front lawn, and sadly some vandals came by and they stole the baby Jesus. And the man was quoted as saying, and I quote, they've taken my Jesus and I don't know where he is. They've taken my Jesus and I don't know where he is. Now, I think a lot of people could say the very same thing about the way they celebrate Christmas. They've taken my Jesus and I don't know where he is. It's easy to lose sight of the Lord Jesus in the midst of our celebratory, um, you know, just having fun and gifts. Now, all those things are great and all those things are wonderful, but it's easy for us to lose sight of the Lord Jesus. So, if that's the case maybe in your life, and and maybe you didn't even realize it, enter the angels. Enter the angels today. 
As we look at this angelic appearance, we see the angels reminding us of what Christmas is really all about. The message is simple, but it's so profound. Clear, but life-changing. Earthly and heavenly all at the same time. So I want to ask and answer this question together. What is Christmas really all about? What is Christmas really all about? Well, if you listen to the angels, they'll tell you. If you listen to the message here in Luke 2, they will tell you what it's all about. Let's notice what Christmas is all about. Listen to the angels. We know, first of all, that we have good tidings. We have good tidings. Now imagine the setting. The the shepherds are there on that hillside. It's a normal night like I think any other night. I don't know how many nights they'd had like that. I don't know how long they'd been shepherds. But night after night, they're there and, you know, it's just a normal night. Nothing unusual, nothing out of the ordinary. And then suddenly the sky lights up and an angel of the Lord appears before him. And the glory of the Lord, I guess the Shekinah glory of God, fills the sky, fills the area around them. And they're what? They're scared. You and I have been scared too. I mean, you talk about frightening. I mean, you're just out there and shooting, you know, just a normal night. And then all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord and the glory of the Lord all around you. But there's no need to be afraid. You see, the message that they're getting ready to be given is wonderful news. The angels are bringing good tidings, tidings of joy, great joy, in fact. And not just for these shepherds, the angel says, but for all people, and that includes us. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And that reminds us of something very important, beloved. God wants us to have joy. God wants us to have joy. The angel said it right off the bat. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. It's so encouraging. So much of life, let's be honest about it, is hard. It's dark. It's depressing. But God made us for joy. Jesus would later say in His life in John 15, 11, These things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus did not come to make your life harder. Now, a lot of people believe that He did. A lot of people, they resist Jesus. They say, oh, if I follow Jesus, my life's going to be filled with hardship and problems. And, and by the way, when you follow Jesus, life still has hardships and problems. But, but Jesus didn't come to make your life harder, beloved. Jesus came that you might have joy. And not just some joy, but full joy. Jesus came to make your life much, much better. To give you a joyful life. Christmas is about joy. We have good tidings. Christmas is all about good tidings. The angels said that. But then you might be thinking, well, how can that be true if life is so hard and so dark and so depressing? How can it be true? Well, here's why. Because according to the angels, and we know the Scripture itself, we have good news. We have good news. Not only good tidings, but good news. Notice what the angel says in verse 11. So they come along and say, uh, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. Verse 11, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's good news. The good news is the Gospel. Jesus came on a rescue mission. He came to be the Savior. Well, if He came to be a Savior, that means that There must have been somebody that needed to be saved. 
Have you ever noticed, beloved, and maybe you never thought about this, and I doubt you would have, and, and maybe you will next time you go to one and you'll be, that's a weird thought, but, but I'll just go ahead and give you a weird thought because I'm kind of weird anyway. You, you ever notice that you never find any lifeguard stations in a Walmart parking lot? You ever notice that? You, you never go and there's a lifeguard sitting up on their chair and they're kind of looking out over the cars as you get out. You ever notice that? Now, why is there never a lifeguard station in a Walmart parking lot? Well, because as far as I've ever been to any Walmarts, there's no swimming pools and there's nobody swimming there in the parking lot. Where do we find lifeguard stations? We find them by what? Bodies of water. Might be at the beach. Might be at the pool. Might be at your kid's birthday party. You hire a lifeguard to come in. But they're there by the pool. They're there by the beach. They're there. Why? Because there are people swimming that may need to be rescued. They're not over at the parking lot. They're around that body of water. Because that's where salvation may need to take place. Because drowning can occur. And so you think about this. Jesus came to earth. Why? He came on a rescue mission. Why? Because the earth is filled with people who need to be saved, who need to be rescued. The Bible says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the reason Jesus came to earth is because people need it rescued. And that's why He came. See, I've got to share with you today, in the midst of this wonderful day of celebration, that Jesus came on a rescue mission So you say, well, what is that all about, preacher? I don't quite follow what you're saying. Well, the Bible says that way back at the beginning when God created everything, He created it good and it was very good. And He created man and woman, Adam and Eve, and placed them in a perfect setting, in a perfect garden, in a perfect circumstance. And He had fellowship with them and walked with them. We read about it over in Genesis in the cool of the day. And He just had one restriction, one rule. Do not eat of this particular tree. And yet the enemy, we're talking about angels, we mentioned him early on in the series, Lucifer, Satan, who rebelled against God. He came along in the form of a snake, a talking snake. By the way, be careful whenever you're around snakes, but if it's talking, be real careful, all right? And he comes and he questions God's Word and he tempts Eve, and we believe Adam was right there, and she looked at that forbidden fruit and it looked good and Sure, it was going to taste good and it was going to make her wise according to this snake. And so she took it and she ate of it and her husband took it and ate of it. And it says their eyes were open and they realized that they were naked. They were sinners. They tried to cover themselves with with their own works and, and they go and hide and God comes along walking, calling out to them. And they're hiding. And thanks be to God, we read the story that though they lost that perfect setting and circumstance and garden, that God clothed them with skins. The only place you can get skins to make clothing out of is by killing animals. And so we have a picture right there in the garden of Eden of a blood sacrifice. And of course, all those sacrifices you read about in the Old Testament, which seem so strange to us, they're all pointing to the ultimate sacrifice. That is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And those Old Testament sacrifices were just simply covering, 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 covering the sin. But the one who was coming, the Savior, the Lord Jesus, would give of His own life and sacrifice His life that He might take away our sin. 
to purify us from our sin and not only take it away, but then give us His righteousness. It's an amazing thing. You see, because all of us have sinned. We're sinners by nature. We have a lot of kids. We have a lot of teenagers, a lot of folks in here. None of us had to be taught to sin. Nobody had to sit down and say, all right, well, you know, you didn't get your way. Let's teach you how to pitch a fit. All right, stamp your foot and scream and holler. No, we just do that naturally. We're sinners by nature. We're sinners by choice. And our sin separates us from a holy God. Because God cannot tolerate sin. And so the Bible says, He who knew no sin, that is Jesus, became sin for us. See, He came on a rescue mission. Jesus lived a sinless, perfect life, fulfilled all the law, all the prophecies concerning Him, and then voluntarily gave His life on the cross, shed His precious blood, was buried, fully dead, was buried, and then rose again victorious. And the Bible says if we will now turn from our sins and place our faith, our trust, our dependence totally upon Jesus Christ, we will be saved rescue mission. That's what Christmas is. It's the beginning of the rescue mission because only, only another person could die for us. We couldn't die for ourselves because we were already guilty. You couldn't die for me because you're guilty. I couldn't die for you because I'm guilty. Only one who knew no sin, only one who had no sin, only one who was innocent and pure could take our place. And that's what Jesus did. And that's the good news. We can have good tidings and great joy in the midst of darkness, in the midst of the hardness of life, in the midst of the depression and tears and crying and all of that. Why? Because we have good news. There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. But beloved, you must personally receive Him. I like what Corey Ten Boom said. She said, if Jesus were born 1,000 times in Bethlehem and not in me, then I would still be lost. You see, listen, it's not enough that you know the story. It's not even enough that you're like, yeah, I believe that happened. You have to personally believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to trust Christ personally to be your Savior. If you've never done that, I invite you to do that today. Now back to that hillside. The shepherds are there. The one angel, it says, is suddenly joined by a multitude of a heavenly host. We're not sure how many. We've already talked about in this series that based upon other scripture, there's probably a hundred million plus angels. Ten thousand times ten thousand, thousands and thousands. We, we don't know how many there are, but possibly a hundred million plus angels. We don't know how many appeared that particular evening, but it says a multitude of the heavenly host. What a sight, what a sound that must have been. And, and they said, and, and by the way, we're not going to debate, I don't know if you know there's a big debate about whether the angels sang or they said, or if they were just saying these words or singing the words, and, and you could get in all that. We're not going to do that. We're going to set it aside. I, I think they, they sang. But, but notice their message that they shared that night. You know, we're thinking about what is Christmas all about. We know that Christmas means we have good tidings. And Christmas means we have good news. This is what the angels are telling them and telling us. But did you notice thirdly here, so think about what Christmas is all about. We have a good God. We have a good God. 
Uh, now remember, look at verse 14. Now this is what the angels are saying. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Glory, praise, honor, greatness, renown, splendor. That's the idea. Be to our God in the highest. Did you notice this, this particular verse, verse 14, goes in two directions? There's the heavenly and the earthly. There's the earthly and the heavenly. Did you notice that? Notice it says in heaven, glory to God in the highest. That is, our great God, of course, God is everywhere and all of His being all at the same time. He's omnipresent. But this is thinking in particular toward the heaven. Glory to God in the highest, thinking about heaven. And then we turn our gaze toward earth in the verse where it says on earth there is peace and goodwill toward men. We really have here in this verse praise for God and peace for men. Praise for God and peace for men. Now the only way the second part of that can be true is because the first part is. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, the only way there can be peace for men is because of what God did. That's the only way. Praise for God and peace for men. If God were not good, if God were not good, then we could be assured of no peace at all. If God were like a lot of people, now, eyes right here, you know anybody that's really just all over the place emotionally and moody and you don't look right here, don't look around. I want to get yourself in trouble. Don't elbow anybody. But anybody, anybody you know, you just don't know where they're going to be at from day to day. And one day you meet them, man, they're as nice as be. The next day they just bite your head off and just spit it out and seem like they enjoyed the meal. I mean, if God were like that, there would be no peace for us. If God were moody, if God were changeable, if God was up one day and down the next, but that's not who God is. In fact, the Bible says that God is immutable. That is, God is unchanging. It says He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's no verabus, no change in Him at all. And we know that God is good. We know that God is gracious. He's kind. He's merciful. We know what His Word says about Him as He's revealed Himself to us. And so because we know who God is and what God has done, we can have peace. Peace on earth. And goodwill toward men. You see, the story is not just for us. It is for us, but not just us. Remember what they said? Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to just you and your family. No. To all people. See, the Christmas story is too good to keep to ourselves. The gospel is too good to keep to ourselves. We're to be having goodwill toward men and we're to be sharing that good news with other people. Now, what is Christmas all about? Well, the angels have told us right here. Christmas means we have good tidings because we have good news because we have a good God. That is what Christmas is all about. Now, what do we do with all this? Well, of course, I think we worship the Lord. We praise Him for it. We adore Him for it. But there's something else. Remember, we're praising God than having peace and goodwill toward men. I think we should do the same thing the shepherds did. Now, we haven't been preaching and focusing on the shepherds this Christmas season, but I do want to close out with the shepherds. Did you notice what they did? Because here's what we ought to do. Remember, the shepherds were the recipients of this message. 
They were the ones who saw the angel, heard the angel, the heavenly multitude. And I want you to notice what it is. Look back at verse 17. They've gone and they've seen the Lord Jesus. It says, Now when they had seen him, verse 17, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. So they shared the story. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then I want you to notice, (coughs) excuse me, verse 20. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told them. Did you notice what they did? It says in verse number 17, they made known why the saying. Verse 18, people marveled at what they told them. Then verse 20, they returned glorifying and praising God. See, that's a picture of how we should respond. Yes, we glorify God. Yes, we praise God. Yes, we worship God. Absolutely. But we don't stop there. We tell other people. We share the good news. Never forget, beloved, what Christmas is really all about. We have good tidings because we have good news. Because we have a good God. Let's tell other people about Him and let's worship Him ourselves. Let's bow together in prayer. (coughs) Father, thank You for giving us a glimpse of what went on that hillside so long ago. Thank You for bringing this message of good news to those shepherds. Thank you for their belief and their going and seeing and worshiping and sharing with others. May we do the same today. Lord, we admit that for many of us, we've done this year after year after year for decades. And in all honesty, maybe some of the, well, the newness And the wonder is worn off. Would you open our hearts and our eyes today and help us to see with fresh eyes the glory in this story that you loved us so much that you sent Jesus for us. I do pray today if anybody's here and they've never received Christ, may this be the moment where your Holy Spirit touches their heart And brings them to repentance and faith. And then for those of us who know you, may we worship you today in spirit and in truth. May we marvel afresh at your glory and your goodness. We love you and we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning, and this is a hymn of invitation. If you need to be saved today, we'd love to talk with you about that. You need to come and pray about something. We'd love to help you, or you can come on your own. The altar's open. But I thought what an appropriate hymn to close out a Christmas service on Christmas Day. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. 181, let's stand together and sing out. Thank you.